So what happens is, I said 3%. I said, now, do you have any money in the stock market? She says, yeah. I said, how's that working out for you? She goes, oh, making a lot more than 3%. Mm-hmm. I said, well, you can take that money and either leave it in the, put it in the stock market where it's more than 3% by taking money out at 3% and come out ahead or take the money out of the stock market and not money is so low right now. Yeah. The interest <clears throat> rates are so low right now. I said, now let me ask you another thing. Are you thinking about retiring soon? And she said, yes. I, well, now she's going to be like, oh, I'm not that old. But if she's watching, but she'll <laughs> never watch me anyway. So, so she goes, yeah, I might retire soon. I said, well, would you like that little extra nest egg that's just sitting there for anything that might happen when you're about to retire so you have access to that money? Why not take it out at that 3% and you have either that money sitting there or working for you to be able to give you greater returns. And then I took it one step further. I said, now, in a lot of cases, I can't say in every case, lawyers won't let me say that, but in a lot of cases, one, MI has the possibility, private mortgage insurance has the possibility of being tax deductible. So now you could be getting that benefit there. She said, I thought MI is expensive. Actually, MI is at one of the lowest numbers, rates, ever been in history. I'm mm-hmm. not saying it's the lowest. There was probably like one day in August 1972 <laughs> that it was lower or something. Yeah. But it's incredibly low right now. And with appreciation, with home values going up, the beauty of private mortgage insurance, it has the potential to be cancelable. So you can, at a low rate and a, a low interest rate, a low MI rate, Keep your nest egg and do whatever you want with it. Still purchase the home. Try to maximize your tax benefits. And you might be able to cancel EMI later if you did at like a monthly program where your home value went up and you can cancel the MI. That, to me, is the perfect beach day. Well, boom. You, you just dispelled the myth right away. <laughs> All right, welcome to another episode of the Contacts to Contracts podcast. I am Brian Lovell here with my co-host, as always, Mr. John Jones, and we have a special guest um, for you today, Mr. Steve Richmond from Genworth Mortgage Insurance. And uh, we're going to get in a couple of things today, like we're going to bust some myths on, do you really need 20% down to buy a home? We're going to take a look at what are some things that you might be able to expect out of the upcoming administration. And overall, what do you think maybe the outlook on the housing and finance market is going to look like? So, Steve, welcome to the show, man. Glad to have you, Steve. Thanks a lot. And I appreciate being here, and I like that you said we're going to uh, bust some myths. I thought you were going to say we're going to bust some moves. But well, okay, we or can we could bust some, some rhymes. If you want to bust some rhymes, we could do that too. <laughs> bust the rhyme. There you go. So, so uh, you know, Steve, thanks for coming on with us. Um, you know, we have the pleasure of uh, having a, a bit of a relationship with you and Genworth uh, Mortgage Insurance as you've done some work with our company in the past. And you always do such a fabulous job of breaking things down in a way that's easy for people to understand and maybe have a little fun while we do it. Um, so we appreciate you coming on as a guest. And uh, obviously, Genworth, if you want to tell us a little bit about Genworth, and then we can get into um, how you guys help us put an amazing product out on the street. Well, first thing is, it's easy to do presentations with you all because you guys just a great group over there. And I appreciate all that you do. I promise you that. 
Um, but in regards to who I am, this is Genworth Mortgage Insurance. And bottom line, we help people get into homes and help them stay in homes. We help people buy a home when they have less than 20% down, which is, I guess, the myth that you were just talking about. Yeah, I mean, and the, the big myth is, <clears throat> you know, so often that, you know, folks think that by putting 20% down, their payment's going to be lower. But what we find is, you know, as we're taking the application that, uh, you know, essentially in, a, in many cases, they're using all of their savings to trying to meet that goal of putting 20% mm -hmm. down. And, and why not take the opportunity with low rates, low MI rates to put maybe only 5 or 10% down and save cash to have uh, available for other things? Talk to us a little bit about that and what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll take it like twofold. The first one was that myth of do you, do you need to put 20% down? And I don't mean to get all wonky, and I don't remember exactly what year it was, but I think it was sometime back in like the 1940s when Freddie and Fannie came about. And if I have the date wrong and legal and compliance are going to yell at me, I do apologize. <laughs> um, but it, it was back in like the 40s when Freddie and Fannie came around and they said, look, when you all are buying these loans, somebody who puts less than 20% down, that's a little bit scary for us. So what they said within their charter, it's called their charter, it says, if you are going to purchase a loan, Freddie and Fannie, with less than 20% down, you need a credit enhancement on that loan. So what a credit enhancement is, is private mortgage insurance is one of the credit enhancements that say it makes this loan more attractive because there's less risk based upon the product, the private mortgage insurance that was placed on that loan. But, so you're seeing that, oh, well, I don't have 20% to put down. That's been what's been there forever, right, since, since it was all started. Yeah. But in today's world, it's almost the opposite of the perfect storm, right? The perfect storm sort of says, oh, it's the end of the world. This is like the perfect vacation or the perfect beach weather when it comes to <laughs> mortgage insurance. And to make it personal, it, it, it came from my sister. So my sister calls me up, and she says she's thinking of buying a home. And my, my sister... Um, amen, hallelujah. She, she makes a nice living. She's got some nice savings. And she said, walk me through if I should put money, how much money I should put down when I do this. So I said, okay, well, what are you thinking now? She goes, well, should I put, don't I want to avoid MI? But I don't know. What rate did your loan officer say you're getting? Because rates are really, really low right now. So I, I don't know. Uh, John and Brian, what rates are today or exactly when people are seeing this. Well, let's just say, I don't care, say 3%, which I think is probably a little high That's right fair. now. Yep. But I'll just throw 3 less than a, We'll call it less than so, a field goal, yep. <laughs> all right. I, you know, I think here's the thing is, I, I think especially homeowners today, they're used to their parents telling them, hey, you don't want mortgage insurance. You want to avoid mortgage insurance. And it was a different time when they were getting that, that solid was the advice. And, 60s, right? and it was yeah. like, for whatever reason, mortgage insurance with a lot of people today, it's like this taboo thing. And it reminded me when you were sharing that story about like, I look back at, I got into this business in 2007, which was the absolute best time to choose a mortgage career. And by 2010, you know, I was running into clients on a daily basis that really were in a position they should probably file a bankruptcy. <laughs> and, you know, everybody was going through that credit crunch, if you remember back through 2008, 2010. 
Well, I, even, I, I, used, I used to tell people. We try not to, Brian, but yes, yes certainly. But I used to tell people like the taboo of filing a bankruptcy today is not like it was, you know, of a gazillion years ago, however long that ago. was, because yeah. it just became a, a common thing. And I think today MI is becoming more common. To your point, Steve, you drove all of the right things home. Interest rates are wicked low today. MI rates are very, very competitive. And instead of putting 20% down, if you put 5% down and used a product like, say, Upfront MI, depending on your credit score, it might not cost you that much more to eliminate the monthly MI. So like literally you could get into a home for, I don't know, six, six and a half percent down with no MI. Like to me, that's like the biggest no brainer in the history of earth. Um, but for whatever reason, we still sometimes struggle to get people past that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's great, sound advice. I mean, if you're looking to sit down and, and, and make that purchase on a home, I mean, you sit with your financial plan. If you don't have one, mm -hmm. you should really, really look into getting one. But I mean, you want to have a cushion, a nest, a nest egg after closing of six to 12 months of all your monthly bills. Mm -hmm. And I think many homeowners overlook that. Many yep. families, as you just alluded to back in 2010, we allude to getting in a habit of it's easy to live paycheck to paycheck, yeah. especially when times are great, like they seem to have, uh, they've been in the last five or five to 10 years. Yeah. And uh, it's time again to make sure you have six to 12 months. And when we say payments, we mean your principal interest, tax insurance, all your minimum credit card payments, um, your food, your electric, all those cost have a have a budget that you you need absolutely yeah. essential budget monthly and have minimum of six months cash in the bank yeah. to cover that yeah one of the things that you said brian at the very beginning is you said something i i know remember the old commercial was this is not your father's old mobile or something like that <laughs> it's, 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 it, everything's always going to change right so it, it what's good today might not be great tomorrow what was good yesterday might not be great today yeah, so i remember true. i actually had Back in, and this was before you were talking about 2008, 2009, and we try and forget it. Before that, I actually got up to Capitol Hill, and I got to speak on Capitol Hill. And it was very interesting. I'm sitting in the chambers and whatnot, and there's microphones all over the place. And it, it was pretty cool. And there was a staffer that was sitting in the gallery, and we were taking questions, and he raised his hand. And he says, I don't own a home, but when my parents bought their home, and I said, I don't mean to stop you right now, but stop. When your parents bought their home, that was on a different planet. Yeah, that, that, different there, world. There's no comparison. Mm -hmm. You can't look at something that happened 20 years ago and say, oh, this is how what we should be doing right now. So when you say, oh, am I this? Or, or if that's what they may have used to say. Right now, MI rates are, are really at a very affordable price. That's what we're looking at. And they don't realize in today's world the benefits. When you go back to 2008, 2009, I said what MI tries to do is not only help you buy a home, but help you stay in the home. There's all types of programs, and right now there's a lot of forbearance programs that are out there that lenders and MI companies are working with customers, homeowners, to try and figure out how do we avoid foreclosure? How do we help the person stay in their home in the event things change and things get bad? Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I just think, you know, to, to everybody's kind of making the same point right now, cash is king. So if you don't have to spend it on something like this, it's kind of like a fool's errand almost. And I think the other thing, if you're a consumer watching this, 
We're in an environment today where you cannot compare apples to apples by looking at, I got a quote over here from this lender at the 3%, we'll use the field goal like John said, and I got a quote from this lender over here at three and a quarter. You don't necessarily know that you got the best deal, right? And so what I would encourage you to is you got to make sure you're working with the right loan originator who's going to take the time to find out what's right for you and your family. Because just quoting rate and term in today's market is not enough to be a good loan officer. You know what an eighth of a point is on a $200,000 loan? Cup of coffee a week, Steve. I did the math. It's about three bucks a week. <laughs> now, wait a second. For three bucks a week, I can get... I, I, you tell me, how many loan products are out there? A ton. Yep. You know, when you start getting into the non-QM so world, there's a ton. So how do you know... You can't worry about an eighth of a point. The first question yeah. is, what's the best product? Then you have to worry about what's the good service. I remember when I was trying to refi, I was talking to somebody and they came up to me and they're like, oh yeah, we can get you this rate. I'm like, sounds great. Okay, we'll be able to get back to you in about four months. <laughs> uh, I, I'm funny. sorry. I, I just, right? I, so, that was, was that this summer? <laughs> <laughs> that was... <laughs> Uh, hey, I'm, I, I'm not pointing any fingers at hey, you. Hey, you, you make like, me laugh. Um, I, I had somebody just reach out to me this past week, and, and they brought that up. They said, my my lender asked me, told me I need another appraisal on my refi. It's, it's, it had expired. It expired, yeah. I'm like, that's, that's too long. So it's about, I mean, they call it a mortgage process mm -hmm. because it's so much about more so much than the price. You have all the other, what is the right product? What is the right service? What is the right communication? All of that stuff has to be involved. And that's why you need to trust the person you're working with. Yeah. This is a big investment. There's a lot of money involved. And people in reputation, they count. Yeah, I mean, I think you, back to your point there is you need a partner that's going to be out for your best interest. Meaning that what Brian said earlier, we're not going to just quote the rate. Um, we're going to give you three or four, maybe five different available options mm -hmm. based on your scenario and what's going to work best um, for you and your family. Yeah, Again, yeah. if you have a young family with maybe two kids, there's a lot coming forward. Maybe you want to start start saving for college, right? Rather than putting 20% down, we want to start a college fund. Yeah. Um, start, as Steve talked about earlier, saving for retirement. So look at if you're out there shopping to refinance or purchase a home, look at have your lender at least give you three or four different scenarios with as little as three to five percent down to twenty percent, if that's in your budget, yeah. and see yeah. which one truly does work best. Leverage money. I can tell you, I thought rates were great when they were at six and seven, right? I oh, mean, yeah. that was yeah. just. I ran that table for a long time, and people had come down from nine rates in the twos and threes just for numbers. Insane. Yeah. It's insane yeah. not to maximize and, and leverage that. I mean, I'll, that I'll blow your mind. I think money's so cheap right now in the mortgage market. Why would you pay cash for a home? Here's the thing. Let's say you're buying a $300,000 home and you had the $300,000 cash. Why not just put the 5% down, put a 15 year or 30 year mortgage on it. And again, going back to the cash is king. You never know when you're going to need that seed money. And I'm, I don't mean to be like the grim reaper here, but what would happen if something happened to you that prevented you from being able to work? You're not going to be able to get a mortgage on the property that you paid cash for because you don't have income, you know? So, you know, to me, if you think with that much forethought, hey, let me go ahead and mortgage the home. I'll put the cash aside. And if something happens that I need it one day and there's an emergency, I've got it. 
but a lot of emergencies that happen in our life would probably prevent us from being able to qualify for a mortgage. Absolutely. When, when we needed to pull cash out of it, our home. It's right back to my sister that we already talked about. Could it be a different rate here, there, or the other? But wait a minute, you're getting thinking about retirement. You're thinking about this. You're thinking about tax consequences. There, there's all these other elements. You gotta compare apples to apples, and rate is just one of the elements that is sitting yeah. in that, that basket, that cornucopia, <clears throat> if you will, that is sitting there in front of you that helps you make yeah. that decision. Yeah. So Steve, you t let, let, let's change gears a little bit. You, are, you, you had started talking about your trip back to D.C. years back, but we've got an issue right now in D.C. with a big change, right? Um, what's happening today in 2021 after the election? What are you seeing um, you know, uh, going forward for us? Well, I'm going to challenge one thing you said there. You said we got a big issue. I am not getting politically involved. I am not saying that it's an issue of who won, who didn't win. I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't look at it because to me, it's an issue that becomes emotionally charged. To me, I say I want to look at it just as a factual, this is what it is. You decide if you like it or you dislike it. And when we look at what's going on in D.C., and by the way, the views and the opinions being expressed here today are the views and the opinions of Steve Richmond. They're not the views and the opinions of Genworth Mortgage Insurance. Therefore, if you disagree with the views and the opinions of Genworth Mortgage Insurance or Van Dyke, we put it on YouTube, just call me because I'm my own attorney. Anyway, so when we look at this, and I just, I really do want to be neutral. I don't want to come off as favoring one party over the other. And but there's a reason other than I just don't want to offend anybody. Both parties are pro-housing. Both parties are pro-employment, okay? They just are. They, nobody's saying, hey, let's try and jack up the unemployment rate. Now, how they get to more housing, how do they get to greater employment or lower unemployment might be different ways, but they still believe in the same thing. So when you were talking about rates, and, and this, this calmed me down. It was my namaste moment. So this calmed me down during this election because every time I turned on the TV, my blood pressure, I don't care which side you're on, my blood pressure went up like 50 <laughs> points, yes. right? It was just, oh, yes. Yes. fighting. So I looked back. I said, I, I, I'm not listening to them. I want to look at facts. You were saying, I remember I did rates at 7% like five years ago. No, you didn't, John. If you look back, Rates have been below 5% since about, I think it was February of 2009. Mm -hmm. So I don't care which administration was in the White House. We've had a Republican and a Democratic administration that have both been in the White House and rates have remained under 5%. I'm not guaranteeing that they're going to continue under 5% into the future, but I'm saying if you look at what the administration tried to do, if you watch the unemployment numbers back from when Biden was vice president, the unemployment numbers improved during the whole course of Biden's vice presidency, and they continue to improve under Trump's presidency. So they were both making moves to try and get people mm -hmm. employed. And, and you look at home ownership, it continues to go up. Whichever way you want to appreciation has been going up since basically 2010. The only time that we saw the appreciation dip during that time significantly was second quarter of 2020. So when it went down in second quarter of 2020, what happened then? Oh, my God, COVID came COVID. to town and everybody said, we don't know what's going to happen. Yep. What happened in third quarter? 
people put on their masks, people got back to work, and what happened? We all of a sudden watched home values go up, home buying went up, but rates remained down. So I don't get freaked out by what's the administration going to do. How they do, they're all, in my opinion, they're all good intentions, right? It's how they do it is going to be a difference. And when we look at what the new administration is going, the way that I look at it is sort of, once again, for every move that I watch people freaking out on, I watch a positive move come in at the same time to counterbalance that move. Mm -hmm. So is there a move now to raise taxes? For some people, there is. If you're at above a certain income, $400,000, you're looking at raising taxes. Are we looking at raising taxes on businesses? That's probably possibly going to happen. Can't mm -hmm. guarantee it that it will or it won't, right? Um, does it look like the CFPB is coming in and, and going to have a little bit more scrutiny on different lending institutions? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. Does it look like we're going to get more stimulus into the economy to keep things going? Yes. yes. Are there proposals out there to give, um, especially for first-time homebuyers, incentives up to maybe $15,000? I'm not saying that that's happened yet, but there's proposals out there to try and talk about things like that. So nobody's in a silo saying, ha ha, how do I make it off all apart? Or how do I do this? It's yeah. like, how do we balance it so that it continues to work for everybody? The moratorium that was under, um, under Trump, Trump came in, well, back up. The one thing, because we had mentioned 2008, 2009 before, and what's the difference between the 2008-2009 time and today? When that happened, it sort of took everybody by surprise. I mean, they made a movie called The Big Short about it, right? It was sort yeah. of like everybody was running around on their phones. What happened? What happened? Today, everybody's saying, oh, my gosh, there's a sickness out there. What do we need to do? And I know some people, we need less government. We need more government. There is a government. But at least the government is working with the private sector today to try and figure out what should happen next instead of just letting it happen and then trying to deal with it. Yeah. I'm not saying that you're necessarily going to like the outcome, but at least the effort's sitting right there. Mm -hmm. So when you look at it under Trump, the Trump administration, they put a moratorium on foreclosures and evictions. Well, that has now... It expired on January 31st. So what's that? Uh, 10 days ago, 11 yep. days ago. I don't know exactly what today's date is. So that expired. What happened under Biden? That has now been extended, extended. to March 31st to try and extend it, right? Um, continued, whatever, to go to March 31st to say, okay, we need to continue to try to understand what we need to do to have this continue to happen. When we look at these forbearance agreements that came out, these most of forbearance agreements. Now, if you don't know what a forbearance agreement is, and I know that you all do, but basically a forbearance degree agreement is just hitting the pause button on your loan. Yep. You still owe the money. Yep. It's not like, <laughs> oh, I get to skip payments. That's not what a forbearance is. A forbearance says we're just hitting the pause and we'll throw it over here onto the end of the loan. Most of them were for about 12 months and everybody said, okay, it's going to come due in March and April of 2021. Mm -hmm. Guess what? COVID's still here and people are still struggling a little bit. Yep. So they've just extended a lot of those, not all, but a lot of those forbearances for 15 months as opposed to 12 months to yep. give people a little bit more time. 
that proactive thing, when you look at it and you say, oh, is this going to change this? Yes, there could be some scrutiny over there on one side from the CFPB, but there could also be what? There's other incentives to come out on the other end to try and make that happen. Yeah. Well, I think at the end of the day on forbearance, you know, there's no free lunch, but the good news is everybody's kind of working together to come up with solutions for what happens when that forbearance period either ends or you are back in a financial position where you can continue on, you know, with the mortgage payment, you know, and I think at the end of the day, lenders don't want to own homes. We don't want to foreclose you know, nope. and, and the good news is, is, you know, homeowners have equity today. So in the event that they are burdened um, by their home payment to a point they need to get out from under it, they'll pro- they'll be able to do that and probably have a little coin in their pocket when they walk away from it as well. Set them up for the next thing. The beauty of what we're seeing where I was talking, so the perfect storm was 2008, 2009, right? But mm-hmm. now we're at the perfect beach day. Why? This combination of two things is occurring. There's a ton of equity that's out there in the marketplace and there's low inventory. So that means that, the, see, what happened in 2008, 2009 was I'm behind on my mortgage. I might as well just walk away. Mm-hmm. I, I owe, I'm underwater was what the, the, the term was, right? Yeah. I, I owe more than my house is it's worth. worth yeah. Now, the house is worth more than you owe. You have equity in it. And there aren't a lot of houses on the market, so a lot of people want to buy. So we're not watching that same problem right now in, in the same uh, realm as it was back in those days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. You talk about the inventory low. I was talking to an agent just this week who is trying to find a buyer, a property in like the half a million dollar range. And the agent is literally calling expireds saying, hey, (laughs) what would you take (laughs) on that? You know, trying to create their own inventory for the buyer. That's literally how crazy (laughs) it is out there right now. And you'll find that, especially, we got to go back to the world of COVID. Uh, COVID doesn't treat all the states the same. There are certain states that are suffering much more through COVID, and yes. there's certain states that aren't. So th- that can play a lot into it from a real estate agent's perspective as to how much inventory there is or isn't based upon uh, how COVID's hitting them and their economy in the state as opposed to the federal. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. yeah wh- Steve, what are some things we should be looking out for? In regards to what? Give me a, are you looking for who's going to be buying? Are you looking for potential problems that are looming what, out what, there? What could be That's some potential? What can be some potential speed bumps along the way? Well, you got to look at the economy as a whole. First off, we keep saying that we have the um, the incentives and the stimulus package coming through, but I haven't seen it actually take place yet. Now they're already talking about the possibility of a third package. So. COVID. I mean, the, the COVID is the biggest unknown. I, I, I don't know about you all. I will be getting a vaccine. I'm, ex- I, I'm not excited about getting a vaccine, but I, I am <laughs> in I line. My, my parents got theirs and I advocated for them to go do that. How long is it going to take to roll that out? How long till we're able to, unlike the two of you there that are not socially distant, I'm just busting your chops. <laughs> um, but how long? I, I know, I know. So how long till we get back to normal? First off, we're not going back to normal. Let me go down that path for a second. All that COVID did is it moved us like we were on steroids to get us in the mortgage business and the real estate business to where we were going. We were all working more from our homes before. We were all using our phones more. We were using greater technology, electronic signatures. It just 
it just advanced us and got us to where we were going that much more quickly. But when we look at where we are on COVID, we don't know when it's going to go away, but we also don't know necessarily what the lasting effects are. I'm sure you've heard these economists talk and they say, how's this recovery going to happen? Is it going to be U-shaped? Is it going to be V-shaped? You know what V-shaped is. It goes down fast and then it comes, comes up, up fast. fast. It looks like a V. Yep. What's a U? It goes down, it drops off, and then it goes up like a U or a bathtub, right? Most economists are now saying it looks like it's a K. And this goes back to the same thing we were saying, saying the states. It went down and certain sectors moved back up quickly and certain sectors are continuing to go mm-hmm. down. Yep. If you look right now, flight attendants are having a very hard time. Yes. Yep. Hotels are having a very hard time. Hard time. Bartenders, waiters, waitresses, hospitality, very hard time. They're not having the same recovery. Today, nurses are doing really well. Yes. Pharmaceutical companies, really well. they're doing pretty well. Um, real estate agents, mortgage professionals, yep. bankers tend to be doing really well. So when you look at your speed bumps and, and what's coming in and what isn't coming in, I sort of look at the sector because certain ones are going to have bigger bumps than others. Mm-hmm. And you see that with the numbers. So the National Association of Realtors, they did a beautiful thing this year. I think that I'm just like, oh, thank you. You made my life so much better. The National Association of Realtors, they published, it's what's called the National Association of Realtors Profile for Home Buyers and Sellers. And they do it every year. And I've been doing webinars on it for over 10 years. So I have all of the stats from year after year after year. And it basically goes from, I, I believe it's July 1 of the past year to June 31st of the next year, right? That's the 12 months that it does. What they did this year is they did those 12 months, but then they also took April, May, and June of 2020 to show the comparison of COVID. Okay, wow. So when, when you look at it, the thing that you knew was going to happen, happened. People that still had jobs were buying homes. So the people who were buying homes, A, they had more money and the homes were going for more because they were all on the upslope of that K that was happening right there. Mm-hmm. So when you look at it, the market really didn't get hurt, but the upslope of the K is what kept it rolling during that time and, yes. and today as well. So that, that's one of the things that I look for in a little bit of that speed bump. Um, the other Change is hard for people, and there's always questions, so you just don't know. Is the CFPB going to come out? Maybe, but what are they saying? Hey, do things right. Yeah. So we don't know what, not really <laughs> yeah. what they're going to do. Yeah. The big claim that, that Biden is very much behind, and I don't think that you guys would be against this, it's against racial inequality and racial disparity. It's saying, why are certain groups, and you're watching it right now. I was watching the news earlier. It's saying that certain groups, the African-American, the, the black group, has a much lower um, signing up and getting their inoculations and getting their vaccines than the white Caucasian group, right? So nobody's in favor of that. No, so, no, but no. what does that, what are they going to do? We don't know yet. So, so it's all about, okay, let's sit back and see where we're going with this, even though we support the overall idea that we don't know what the actual actions that are going to be taken are 
So change is tough for people, and we got to see what that's going to be. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you know, we're you know, real estate professionals, mortgage professionals. Twenty twenty one looks like it could be much of the same that we've had the last couple of years from what you're sharing. Yes. Two two things I'll change there. For mortgage professionals, you're going to have less refis. Okay. Rates. It looks like they're going to continue to be low. Maybe they'll go up a total of a point over the year, but it looks like it's going to continue to remain very strong under uh, John's 5% or 6% that he was talking about yeah. earlier, right? So when we look at the overall mortgage volume, we're still looking at it being very strong, but it's going to fall off pot probably on the refi. But where is it going to get made up then? That gets made up on the purchase. And we're also watching the administration talking about the possibility of helping a lot of builders have only been building higher end homes recently because margins have been squeezed so tight that they can't make any money there. Yeah, yeah. So they're looking at how do we get more first time, smaller first time buyer homes being built by builders right now. So once again, it's always when you push one, the other one, it's that yeah. counterbalance. There's that. a counterbalance. Yeah. Push pull. Yeah. Yeah. Great. John, anything else we want to go over? I think we, we, we covered quite a bit there. I think that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Good job, Steve. Steve, is there anything that you wish we would have asked that we didn't? Uh, who does my hair? No. Uh, <laughs> no I, I'm, I'm cool. I, my whole thing, and it goes back, it's just what I do. Figure out what's best. It's, we do not live in a one-size-fits-all economy. We do not mm -hmm. fit in a one-size-fits-all inventory environment. So pick your partners, get a good partner, and figure out who knows what they're talking about and can help you in your personal, specific situation because it's, that's what it is. They, they call the new generation snowflakes. I look at it differently. No two snowflakes are alike, right? We need yeah. to find everybody who's in our own, in their own personal situation and be able to satisfy what's best for that person because it is not yeah. one size fits all. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I, I just know I'll speak on John's behalf too. Like when we when we started this podcast, the idea of the podcast is we wanted to create content that was going to help loan originators, that was going to help real estate agents, that was also going to help consumers. You know, and what I would say to that is, uh, you know, w as partners, we want to partner with you, whether you're a real estate agent, whether you're a loan originator or whether you're a consumer. You know, we've got a pretty vast network of people that we know. If you're looking to connect with a loan officer, we literally know hundreds of great ones all over the country. If you're a real estate agent that needs some help with some of the tools that we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, let us connect you with one of those loan officers who's like-minded, who cares about partnerships like Steve just said, and we'll help you find somebody that'll help you um, with your business. And if you're a consumer thinking about, you know, buying or selling, we can help you with that in terms of finding a good partner. Or if thinking about a refire or a purchase, we know a thing or two about that too, because we've seen a thing or two. Hopefully that doesn't get us copyright and infringement. And, and we busted the myth. You don't need to put 20% yeah. down. So out there to all our realtor referral partners, you know, yeah. potential home buyers, make sure you do get two or three options when you are shopping for a home, wherever that yep. may be. Yep. Yeah. Lowest rate isn't always the best deal. Yep. It's not always what's best uh, for your consumer. So you got to, you got to keep that in mind too. So Steve, I want to thank you so much for spending some time with us today. You brought massive value um, to us and to the audience who's going to watch that. Um, for those of you watching the podcast, we appreciate uh, the opportunity 
to serve you in any way that we can. If you like what you see, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. On behalf of John Jones, Steve Richmond, I'm Brian Lovell. Thanks, Steve. If we can help in any way, we're here to serve you.